spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. Well, good morning, Hawaii. It is 10.30 here on this Wednesday morning. I'm Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanji Denise, and it is time for another episode of Spotlight Hawaii here on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. And Yanji, uh, we continue in our conversations with candidates for the Honolulu City Council. That's right. We focused on District 6 in our last conversation. Today, we shine the spotlight on City Council District 2. That includes Mililani, Wahiwa, the North Shore, and Windward Oahu from Kahuku to Kahalu. Uh, today, we have two candidates joining us. There were five originally running. These two made it to the primary. We're joined now by Mokua Kai Rothman and Matt Weyer. Uh, you'll note that this is the seat that was held by Heidi Suniyoshi. Of course, she vacated it to run for governor, and now it is open. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Marvel for having us. Thank you so very much. Makua, let's start with you. Uh, you know, as we said, this is an open seat. You're a political newcomer, if you will. Why did you decide to throw your hat in the ring? To represent the people of the Sydney County of Honolulu in this great place, you know, District 2. Born and raised in this district, I understand the unique challenges our people face. Um, understand the culture and the language that people speak out here. And I really think it's time for a leader from our place to lead us. And um, I really think the representation of our people truly is the reason that I'm here today. Okay. And, and Matt, same question for you. You're also a political newcomer. Why did you decide that you wanted to take this on? Yeah, having uh, served on the neighborhood board for three terms or being in my third term and then currently working as a, a planner at the city, um, you know, I really see the need for a strong advocate for our community um, with all the issues that District 2 is facing from, you know, cost of living to the infrastructure needs, uh, the need for safety from both crime and also natural disasters, and of course, managing our natural resources and tourism. So ultimately, I want to use, you know, my skill sets, having worked, you know, at the city council, working now at the executive branch to really deliver for our community and help us navigate all the issues that we're going to be facing over the next couple of years. Want to jump into some of those issues and talk about some that are specific to the areas that this seat would represent. Uh, Matt, we'll start off with you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, housing in your area. Of course, there is a large density of, of people who live in some of the neighborhoods within your community, yet there continues to be an affordable housing crisis, if you will, not only here on the island of Oahu, but throughout the state. Uh, there have been many proposals put forth during this election season. How do you see affordable housing as it pertains to, uh, you know, those who live in your district? What do you feel is the best way that can help uh, to alleviate some of these problems? Affordable housing comes up time and time again um, during my time walking the district over the past seven months, whether you're in Kahalu'u or Laie, all across North Shore uh, in Wahiwa. You know, I talked to a woman who was talking about how both of her sons have moved away just because they can't afford to live here. I talked to Kupuna in Village Park. Uh, one, he was talking about how he was most looking forward to, to babysitting his grandkids, right? Um, when he 
retires, but then his son's moving away. And so it's how do we how do we solve this for our entire community? I think we need to fix the Department of Planning and Permitting uh, so we can fix all the issues that the community's seen over there, make city lands available through a public solicitation process for development, of course, in areas that the community feels is appropriate. You know, we need to look at policies to both better enforce our vacation rental laws and also policies that can push some of these vacant units, you know, back into the market so folks actually have a housing option that they can afford. And Makua, same question for you, your thoughts on affordable housing as it pertains to those in your community specifically and, and specific ways that you feel you might be able to address this issue. Well, affordable housing has been a topic for a long time, um, especially when it comes to campaign season. And um, I really feel that, you know, our affordable housing funds, um, really getting funds appropriated, encumbered and delivered to projects is crucial at this time. I really think it'll take a leader to get out into the community, use those community voices, elevate them, find the areas that are available that uh, communities feel comfortable with, you know, building affordable housing, which is workforce housing, um, also pushing some of those affordable houses back into the market, because right now, nothing's really affordable. So if you put housing back into the market, especially with the rates and what's going on with the Fed and um, you know, we're, we're in a time of crisis, it seems like we're into a recession. So really talking about affordable and housing right now, it's really going to come down to how we appropriate our funds and what kind of skin in the game the city, is, the city and county is willing to take to work together with um, organizations like Hawaiian Homes and really pushing the infrastructure um, support to these projects so that we can get them finished and deliver to our people because right now to expect someone to afford a home with the interest rates, the way they are is almost, you know, it's, I mean, I'm lost for words because affordable housing is not affordable. We as city government need to put skin in the game and actually deliver housing for our people. I want to stick with an infrastructure issue uh, that particularly affects this district, and that is roads. And uh, when we look at the traffic issues, there's so many concerns there just because there are limited roads. We know that the state, of course, is responsible for the Department of Transportation. But, Makul, what do you think the city could do to help with some of the traffic issues in that district? I don't mean to laugh, but if you go right outside my door here, the traffic is down the street because of the road paving. And I really think giving some type of variance to the noise ordinance and having them work at night, even if it's going to cost us a little bit more to, you know, for the work, I really think um, it'll benefit the people a lot um, and the burdens that we face every day. A three-hour drive, you know, to get to Haleiwa, a hour and 15 minutes from Sunset Beach is ridiculous. And people, I think, you know, going into these communities and asking these people, you know, what do you guys think about paving at night? please do it. What can you do to help us, please? They ask me all the time. And it really comes down to that um, work in residential neighborhoods at night and that noise variance or that noise order. I really think um, giving a, a pass to that and really letting the work be done at night and smart because the guys work in cooler conditions. Everybody's more comfortable. And I think the work gets done a lot faster um, without so much pressure from the outside as well. And everybody trying to hurry up, hurry up and alleviate the traffic because the workers out there don't want to be standing on the road and they see the frustration of people passing by every day. So I really think first and foremost, paving the roads at night could be a big uh, help right away. 
And, and Matt, same question. What would you do to help tackle this? Again, we know that the state is responsible for DOT, but certainly the city does come into play. Of course. And that's why you need coordination and collaboration between, you know, both the state, the city, of course, the community. I mean, we saw that with, you know, the big sinkhole that opened up in Punalu'u. And then, of course, when the closure of Kahana Bridge happened because of the water main break, you know, we see the need for the city to make investments in infrastructure. And I think there are a lot of federal funds that we could be more, more proactively pursuing, whether they be from the Federal Department of Transportation or HUD or Fish and Wildlife to really upgrade, you know, the infrastructure. And of course, working with State Department of Transportation, the director over there to really, you know, follow through on a plan to figure out how we're going to approach this, you know, inundation, right, and erosion of the roadway. And of course, managing tourism better, I think, is one of the main factors uh, that affects traffic, right, with 10... 10 million visitors a year, but only 7 million hotel rooms for them. We see them spilling out into the community, affecting Lani Ikea. Um, that's why there's, you know, conversation at the council right now about managing access at Kokololio. Um, and I think that as we move forward as a community, we have to have, you know, better managed access plans, enforce our vacation rental laws to ensure that we're not seeing those impacts from tourists, you know, driving through the district. In speaking with infrastructure, another thing that's happening, especially on the North Shore, is we're seeing the impact of climate change, rising sea levels, homes literally on the North Shore falling into the ocean, and residents now wondering what to do next. Uh, Matt, we'll start off with you with some of the concerns that we are seeing with uh, you know, the rising of sea levels and the impacts that it is having on these coastal communities that would be in this district. What do you think the responsibility is of the city to assist some of these residents as they face losing their homes? This is, you know, certainly a statewide issue, but District 2 um, is facing this crisis, you know, every day. And we see the impacts from Ko'olaupoku all the way around through the North Shore. And in terms of how we move forward, we need to better manage how we develop, right? And looking at managed retreat, and look at how we approach, you know, the shoreline uh, with the legislature passing, you know, act, I think it was 16 or 26, preventing the further hardening of the shoreline. We have to move forward with development in a way that's mindful of the data and the science and where we're going as a community, because that shoreline is only going to be increasing, right? I know that the council has been talking about uh, setback ordinance, and they're looking at that. And so I think it's important that as we approach that, you know, it's opened the door for a great conversation, but we need to include the community uh, and be mindful, particularly of generational homeowners that might be on the coast and how we can support them, but also ensure that we're maintaining that public access to our natural resources. Makua, same question for you regarding what we're seeing with, uh, you know, these homeowners who are losing property because of the impacts of climate change and rising sea level. Well, I really think that we need to support the homeowners my house is on the beach right here we deal with climate change every day one of my um, close friends was just um, down the way here showing the impacts of how people are just going in the middle of the night and pouring cement mm -hmm. to harden the shoreline regardless of um, ordinance regardless of law people are trying to save their properties no matter you know what they do and i understand responsible development you know, definitely needs to be managed better. But the coastlines, if you look at it, majority of them are developed. Majority of the people put their hard-earned money into these properties to pass down for generational wealth, thinking that they'll be able to pass these homes and properties down for future generations. And right now that is in jeopardy. And like Matt said, 
the great conversation about setbacks, about what it is we can and can't do, really bringing the community in to this conversation because there is no one solution. It's a collaborative effort between the city, the state, the federal government, and how we manage this crisis. And I really think it's gonna come from the homeowners, the stakeholders, and the people that it's really impacting every single day to come together collaboratively to solve this issue. Uh, speaking of the community, I do want to bring in a comment, uh, a question rather, from Ingrid Peterson. This is for both of you, but um, cool, I'll ask you to answer first. Uh, she says, please comment on camper vans that are now being rented to tourists and parked on residential streets as another type of illegal vacation rentals. Let's talk about illegal vacations bro rentals broadly and also to Ingrid's point specifically. We know that the city has said that they are very uh, adamant about enforcing the illegal vacation rental rules. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot of enforcement to that end because of all the issues with DPP. But Makua, what do you think can be done about the illegal vacation rentals? What should be done? Uh, and, and, and to Ingrid's point specifically, what about, you know, some of these more creative things, tents and campers and whatnot? Well, to touch on the um, first part of it, what should have been done, the fine attention to detail. It's the small things that was looked over to pass a bill. And I understand there was certain people and certain businesses really buying up these homes and creating these issues. We have to remember when we do implement law that we go over the fine details because it's the little things that make the biggest impact in the outcomes in everyday life out here in the North Shore. I live in this community. I live in the vacation rental epicenter. And right now, it's just like Disneyland. They're still running. There's no enforcement. Really enforcing the law we have in place. Without enforcement, it doesn't matter if it's a tent, a camper, a home, whatever it may be. We need to immediately structure a group, a unit, whatever it may be, and get them on the road enforcing. We're walking the district every day. I don't see any enforcement. I live right here, like I said. There may be one or two people that do work very hard and I appreciate them and all the work that they do because there are people out there trying their best. But right now, they're totally understaffed. Implementing law without enforcement is no law at all. And this is going to continue to happen no matter what anybody says. I see it every day unless there is actual enforcement, fines, whatever it may be, being enforced and implemented every day. If not, it will continue until these people are made to do it. And Matt, what's your what's your take on this? And Ingrid does point out, this is uh, perhaps an oversight on my, my part. She says the new short-term rental law goes into effect in late October. So to defend the city that, uh, you know, enforcement is still ramping up. But that said, uh, this is an issue we've known about for some time. So what are your thoughts on, you know, eradicating this issue? And also to her point on vans and other creative method, methods of vacation rentals. It's an issue that comes up across the community and ultimately enforcement requires an overhaul of the Department of Planning and Permitting. Uh, and thankfully, that's the conversation going on at the council right now, right, in terms of how do we, uh, you know, cut some of that time off the permitting process, free up uh, DPP staff to work on enforcement issues. How do we, you know, maybe use pay differentials to fill these vacant positions so the department can be fully staffed and do everything it's obligated under the law to do. 
Um, I think that this also speaks to our HPD vacancies, right? About 300 vacancies. A lot of them are the ones enforcing, you know, the laws on the roadways when they see folks sleeping in vehicles. And how do we fill those vacancies? We need to work with the department. We need to look at, you know, that space between Wahiwa and Kuhuku where there's no police substation. You know, that big expanse of land across the North Shore, you know, is underserved in a lot of ways because when you have a few patrol officers managing that whole area and then maybe they get called out of the district, you know, it's really a disservice to our community. So in terms of, you know, enforcement, I think you have to look at the whole picture, right? How do we fix DPP? How do we support HPD? How do we deliver services, you know, for our community? One of the things that Could we I like- add something to that? Sure. Because we heard about that October, sorry for interrupting. I understand that there's the landlord tenant code as well that has state law that usually supersedes city law. And that is, that calls for a 30 day um, allowance. And right now, even with the 30 day allowance, um, it is not being followed. We actually do have a law in place that's 30 days or more right now. And that's not being followed. So, you know, 90 days, 30 days, whatever it may be, the enforcement agency has to be put in place. And I understand we need to look at this. We need to look at that to deliver something to our people. We have to address the issue. We have to work on it and we have to work until it's seen to fruition to get these enforcement capabilities on the road. Because if we're here, there, here, there, we're talking about all these issues. We have to focus as a council, come together with DPP, HPD, and we have to make sure we appropriate the funds and we make sure that we get these enforcement agents in the communities working. One of the things that we want to move on to is allowing each of you the opportunity to ask a question of one another. Makul, we'll start off with you, your question uh, that you have for Matt. Well, I just want to say thank you for Matt for uh, helping me level up and running such an awesome race. Our race has been, you know, clean. We've been uh, sticking to our issues. Um, and I just want to know if Matt will uh, accept an offer, win or lose. Um, I have an offer. I know you said your mom and you struggled back in the day. And, um, you know, growing up, I would like to offer you folks a, um, an opportunity to experience our shark boat for you and your mom paid for um, after it's done. And uh, just to say thank you for, let, you know, encouraging me to be the best version of myself to run this race. So if you would accept that offer, I would love to offer that to you and for you and your mom to enjoy. No, I appreciate that. I'll have to, I'll talk to her and then I'll get back to you. But um, love, you know, love, you know, everything that you stand for in terms of um, advocating for the community. And, you know, I know, you know, you have your family and you really want what's best for the district. So it's really been a pleasure to have, you know, such a great race, um, both with you and then, of course, all the other candidates who are in the primary too. So mahalo for that. All right, Matt, uh, your question for Makua. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like Makua said, I, it's been a, a great opportunity to discuss through, you know, the issues. And so I'd be curious, um, you know, just what the biggest issues are for him uh, in terms of what he wants to see immediately from the city. I mean, you know, we've talked about the housing and homelessness and infrastructure, um, per particularly given that we live in different parts of the district. You know, I'm always interested in knowing, like, what's the, you know, the issue that really hits home for you? Well, the issue that hits home for not just me, but our constituents out here, especially in rural Oahu, is the capability of opportunity. And when has the last piece of legislation been passed that give our 
constituents, our residents, more opportunity tomorrow than we had yesterday. It seems like a lot of the people and a lot of the doors I've been knocking feels like they're being more restricted and more restricted and more restricted. I feel as a city council member, I will do my best to deliver policy that provides more opportunity for people to survive in the economy of a high cost of living where you know home prices are outrageous, where our tax, uh, land taxes are going up exponentially with no cap and really giving our people more opportunity through policy so that they feel like we got their back. Because I think as policymakers, they give us the responsibility of spending their money wisely. And should we spend their money, they want to see something delivered, a product, you know, safe parks, safe beaches. So I really want to give opportunity and I'm going to aim to implement policy and legislation that gives us a little more breathing room so that we can do live everyday life better and have more opportunity. Let's get to know each of you a little bit better. Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your own personal life experience and what you bring to the table that is unique uh, that you think will help you if you were to hold this seat. Yeah, like McClough mentioned, uh, my mom and I struggled when I, I was younger. She you know, worked as a, a single mom. And so that's a big part of why I'm running and, and seeing just the frustration from you know, so many families that work really, really hard, you know, two, three jobs sometimes, and they simply can't afford to live here. They're moving away. Um, and that's an issue uh, because, you know, the folks coming in, the out-of-state investors coming in, you know, aren't going to be our firefighters and our teachers and our nurses. But most importantly, you know, we're really losing that community, right, that makes Hawaii so unique. And so uh, for me, um, after graduating from MIDPAC, going to UH, I'm graduating from law school over there with uh, certificates in environmental and native Hawaiian law. You know, my passion has always been uh, serving the community, working as a domestic violence prosecutor, then going over to the city council uh, to work as a policy advisor, and then working now as I do as a planner on homelessness and affordable housing. Uh, I ultimately, you know, having engaged the community over the past seven months, um, continuing to engage them through election day, you know, want to hear all the issues that are important to to you, if you're watching and you live in the district, tap, in, tap into that generational knowledge that exists and then bring that to the council and ensure that we can actually, you know, pass legislation, have a budget that really serves the entire community. Yeah. And Makua, same question. What about your life experience do you bring uh, uniquely to this role? Well, not just observing or listening to constituents, but actually being part of these issues and having to overcome them you know being homeless at one point in my life understanding what it is a mother faces and what she's going to tell her children you know are we going to pay rent or are we going to eat you know having overcome these issues having um come from a career where it was result driven i couldn't talk about what i was going to do if i didn't deliver results as a professional athlete for over 20 years, my preparation, my commitment to my craft, and my commitment to my people that I, I make, I'm not going to promise I'm going to commit because commitments are meant to be fulfilled. And when you fulfill commitments, you deliver results. And if that's one thing that I bring to the table from my prior um, experience is overcoming these issues, being someone that was a part of these issues, having to figure out creative ways to survive here in Hawaii. 
coming from a career that was result-driven, not just talk, not just when it was election season, not just worrying about my image, but actually producing results is, I think, a unique skill set that I bring to the table, being born and raised in this district, knowing it in and out. And I really believe that we understand that it's not your degree or what you know sometimes that solve these issues, but actually the relationships you have and how you can manage people and those results to really get to the desired um, outcome, uh, excuse me, these issues, manage these issues correctly so we can get to the desired results that we um, aim to see. Well, you know, we want to bring up uh, something that has been brought up a few times, and that's what's happening at DPP and, you know, the permitting office and the backlogs that they're seeing. Makul, I, I want to ask you, what do you think the department needs to do with so many who are uh, residents as well as businesses that are waiting on these clearance of permits to be able to continue, whether it be a home renovation or a new business? What do you think needs to be done within this department to help this backlog? Well, I really think that an audit needs to be done. We need to find where the bottleneck is. I mean, it's not, you know, just what happened. I'm not sure. How did we get to the point that we're at? And right now we see, you know, I hate to say this, but the biggest corruption was coming out of DPP. Are these people holding these seats really qualified to do their job? Or was it, you know, a friend of a friend that got a job? You know, a lot of these third-party um, reviewers were certified by the city at one time through a really strict uh, process and, and, and um, certification process to know the building codes, to know exactly what they were talking about, and really figuring out how we can structure agriculture, people that really speak agricultural law, land use, you know, residential, commercial, et cetera, things that people can do that they really don't need a permit for. It's just a formality you know, your chain link fence, you're enclosing your garage. That's And that's what I talk about. I want to bring it back to a little more freedoms and a little more opportunity than we had yesterday because I think um, really examining, and if the DPP really can't uh, police itself, really as council and, and the mayor's office really get in there and figure out why, where these problems are, and really, like any business, you need to find out where the problem is so you can address it. Because if not, it's just going to keep going like this. We just talk about this, this, and that. Nothing gets done. And Matt, your, your thoughts on the state of DPP and where we're at right now? Yeah, DPP, the issues with permitting don't only affect developers, right? Talk to two separate entities, one in Haula, one in Wahiwa. Both talked about how they lost their contractor, or had issues with you know um, doing modifications to their church. Um, talk to some folks down the road. They were talking about just how they're wanting to make basic modifications to their home um, that are just waiting, right, for these permits to come through. And it really, you know, it, it impacts our housing, right? It, it slows down the, the process of getting units available to the community, but it also just affects folks in their daily lives. And I know DPP talked um, a couple weeks ago about digitizing the pre-screening process, how they can cut down, you know, 110 days just to one day by doing a, a better online review uh, of uh, permitting. I think that's one place to start is digitizing using all the technology that we have. And then two, you know, filling those vacancies. We're losing, you know, city staff to the private sector because of how um, much it costs to live in Hawaii. And if we, you know, implemented pay differentials to meet those, you know, private sector uh, salaries, we wouldn't even have to fill the whole department. We could bring in enough staff to speed up this whole process 
speed up permitting, maybe incorporate self-certification, you know, so experts can sign off on the low-level permitting. And then we'd be able to do better enforcement, right? From the vacation rental laws to, you know, the illegal activities on our agricultural lands, to the dumping, to everything that the community is seeing. And so I think that there is a way and there is a path forward. And I think it's going to take the council member, the mayor, administration, the department, all sitting down, bringing the community input in of what they want to see and just actually effectuating it, right? A half hour goes so fast, so we've reached the end of our program, but we do want to give each of you an opportunity for a final thought for our viewers and potential voters today. Makua, let's start with you. What's your final message to our audience? First and foremost, I want to say thank you to everybody out there that gave me their support, that gave every one of us our support, everybody that registers to vote and has their voices heard. It's a very important thing to get out there and vote. I want to say thank you very much to everybody that gets out there and votes. Um, you know, I'm here. I'm born and raised in this district, like I said. I won't make promises. And the only commitment I have is to my community. Because right now, we are in a nonpartisan race. People have to remember that. And right now, you know, the undermining of that is, is really happening. It's like one, you know, the state's going, people are, he's a Democrat, he's a Republican. When I swear in to office in January, I swear to represent each and every one of you, no matter what party lines you're on, no matter what side of the issues you're on, we're all going to gonna come together because your voice is my voice and my voice is our voice. And when we elevate everyone as a community together, we will reach the solutions we wish to see. Thank you. Okay, and Matt, we'll give you the last word. Yeah, mahalo, Yunji, Ryan, for having us today. Mahalo to our community for, you know, spending time talking story with me over the past few months as I've come to your door. Um, still want to connect with you if I haven't. You know, ultimately, this election is about ensuring that the city is doing everything that it can to serve um, the, you know, the residents of District 2. You know, I know that there's this sense of neglect um, with so much focus on, you know, urban Honolulu you know, from Waipahu all the way around to Kahalu. And I do think that there's so many opportunities uh, for us to really ensure uh, that as we, you know, go through the council, we can ensure that there's legislation, that there's money in the budget, and that our, our community's voice is heard. And so that's ultimately when I, what I want to do with you. And again, just want to say mahalo for, for joining us today. All right. Well, we want to thank both of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to participate in this conversation and just update us on some of your thoughts on the issues that are impacting your community. Uh, we wish you the best of both of luck. And uh, again, mahalo for uh, just being here with us this morning. Aloha. Mahalo, Nui. Thank you. Well, great to hear from them. And you, you know, you heard a lot of synergy between their positions on, you know, a lot of the issues. They, they are in agreement that there are issues at DPP that both of them want to rectify and that affordable housing, the traffic issues, the coastal erosion issues, all of that. Um, you really got to see their personalities, which is a lot of what we like to do on this program to give, you know, viewers and voters kind of a sense of, of who these people are because how they operate and their leadership style is so important on the council. We know that, you know, you got four new council members coming in and how they interact with the mayor's office is going to be so important. Very interesting, Ryan. Also, when we give the, uh, the candidates the opportunity to ask each other a question, we see an invitation for a gathering as opposed to an attack, which is, you know, I feel like the higher up you go in terms of political office, the meaner they get. And so these <laughs> yeah. guys are very, very nice today. Yeah, and they've obviously spent a lot of time with each other, having gone through the primary election, both advancing to this general election and 
you know, as we, they've also mentioned, this is a pretty broad district that incorporates many different uh, types of communities within this one district, uh, you know, all the way from the North Shore to portions of central Oahu. And, and so there are variants in issues that impact each of these communities. And so whoever represents this district, uh, you know, will have to take on that responsibility of overseeing such a vast diversity uh, of issues that impact this one community. So uh, we look forward to those future conversations, though, with other members running for city council. Those conversations will continue next week. That's right. We have uh, dis the next two districts next week. Uh, but on Friday, we are switching gears and focusing on such an important issue. That's domestic violence in our community. Nancy Creedman for from the Domestic Violence Violence Action Center will be here. Uh, you may have seen her. She's been on the cover of Midweek last week and uh, just bringing some of the issues, you know, with COVID, we had her on quite a bit talking about the impact of lockdown on families and victims of domestic violence. So now that we are in this not quite post pandemic, but certainly not where we were uh, two years ago, part of the pandemic, how is that influencing the work that she does, the calls that she gets and some of the issues that her organization is facing in delivering services to these very, very important members of our community. So we'll be catching up with Nancy on Friday, and then we delve right back into the world of politics on Monday. We'll see you then. We hope to see you right back here on Friday. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs.